Hello team and welcome to Coach's Corner for another week. How you doing? How you feeling? Hope you're doing alright. My name's Coach Bart and for the next 10 or so minutes I am going to be your coach and today we're talking about training for longevity, an ever-growing popular segment of the fitness industry. If you are new here, make sure you are following the show to make sure that you know when our episodes drop. Make sure you are sharing all the stuff on uh, on social media as well. It's always good to hear from you guys. We are Jets Australia, J-E-T-T-S on all the social pipes. And uh, grab a protein shake and settle in and let's get down to it. So exercise, when we look at the stuff, when we look at all the things that we can sort of, all the switches we can flick, all the levers we can pull when it comes to reversing or slowing down the aging process, exercise seems to be the one that will move the needle the most. The reason is, is I like to think about exercise uh, as a very specific signal. When we go to the gym or, or when we do any movement, we're sending a signal to our body to change and to adapt. And the beautiful thing about fitness is you can send very specific signals to multiple ty- multiple parts of your body and most multiple systems of your body. And then we add in the sleep, then we add in the nutrition, then we add in stress reduction. And it's all of those things that help you recover and adapt from that signal. So when we think about aging, it's really important that we're continually sending this adaptation signal because if we do not send that signal, our body is just going to break down, which is an unfortunate thing that's happening in society at the moment. You know, the more digital we become, the more sedentary we become, the less of these good stresses, these used stress that we get, and the less we're adapting to this stress because there is no stress to adapt to. And so when it comes to longevity, exercise is the way to go. And in fact, if you want to take a deeper dive into this, have a read of a really good book called Outlive by Peter Atiyah. We are obsessed with it in the Jet support office at the moment. It brings up some really good points. And essentially the four types of exercise I'm going to go through today are recommendations from him, which is which is serendipitously the same way that I program for most people when it comes to holistic fitness. Before we get into these four types of exercise, I just want to I have a little caveat here. The, the science is pretty clear. The science is pretty clear in a lot of things, but what a lot of personal trainers are really good at is applying the science to people's behavior. Because the fact of the matter is we know that ice bars are, are good for us at certain times of the day. <coughs> we know eating certain vegetables are, are good for us too. But it's, beha- it's the behaviours and the habits that make these things happen and these things work. So there is a level of psychology that comes to the application of these four types of exercise. So I want you to keep in the back of your mind what is sustainable for you. So I'm, I'm going to be going through you know, one time a week, two times a week, three times a week in a second. But don't think you have to do that. And I'll show you where to start and I'll show you sort of what the added, um, the optional add-ons are there afterwards. But keep that in the back of your mind because uh, you can have the perfect program written for you that'll tick all of the boxes that you want. But if you don't do it, it all of a, couple, all of a sudden becomes the worst program for you. A, an average program done consistently is better than the perfect program done inconsistently. So take everything today with a grain of salt. Take the information on and then apply it in a way that suits you. The first type of exercise I want to start with, you. if you listen to the podcast a lot already, it's no surprise to you, it's strength work. It's high force outputs. The reason why I think this is so good is because it sends, I think, the loudest signal to the body because it's so novel. There's no time in our day when we will exert our nervous system maximally. That'll only happen evolutionarily. That only happened when we had to move a boulder or you know, had to run away or sprint away from a lion or something like that. It's very novel. 
And because of the loudness of that signal, I think our body adapts to it in a really good way and adapts to it on a cellular level in just about every cell of the body. It's not just the muscles. We're talking the nervous system. We're talking about the metabolism. We're talking about the immune system. Strength training is one of the most important things you can do for every aspect of your health. And so when it comes to these four types of training today, this is where I want you to start. If you're not doing strength training, even for longevity or, or, or aesthetics or whatever, it will behoove you to try and get a strength session in one to two times a week. And remember, we're talking about longevity here, team. So this might not be optimal for muscle gain. It might not be optimal for fat loss. Because with all of these things today, if you do too much of it, all of a sudden, you're not working for longevity anymore. You're doing the opposite. You're applying too much stress to the body, and thus your body starts to break down. So there is a balance with everything that we're talking about today. And a really great example of this is you look at people who have been doing ultra-endurance work for many, 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 many years. And, you know, they'll often have uh, more skin issues or more wrinkles or you'll see the active aging taking place in their body because they're putting their body through so much oxidative stress. Not necessarily a bad thing, but just good to point out. I want you with your strength training as well to give you a bit of a prescription. I want you to try and use what we term as functional movements. And, you know, the, the word functional I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of because if you think about any, any movement you do is functional. But when I say functional, I mean movements that use your entire body and use more than one joint, big compound movements. I love deadlifts. I love squats, back squats and front squats. I love pull-ups. I love overhead presses. They use large parts of our body, which require a high force output from our nervous system. And because they're so neurologically, um, there's so much potential for neurological engagement, that's where the novelty comes from because we don't do it during our day. I want you to make sure you're taking heaps of rest in these strength sessions as well. I'm a big one on that. And go for the minimal effective dose. If you're not doing any strength work at the moment, just start with one session a week and then move on from there. <coughs> and so that's what I say. Um, that, that's what we recommend. For longevity, strength work, one to two sessions a week. And everyone will be different. So your, 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 the load you can take on with your strength work will depend on your context at the moment and your context in the past. The next form of exercise is aerobic work. So you could consider this longer durations of exercise, but done at a low heart rate. Now, because the intensity of these sessions is so low, you can actually probably do these every day. And if you program it right, these sessions won't just level up your oxygenation of your body, level up how you transport and use oxygen in your muscles and in your body. Um, it'll actually help you recover from your strength work, help you recover from your VO2 max work, which we'll talk about in a second. It can actually help you in the recovery process. Motion is lotion when it comes to, um, uh, to exercise recovery. But the caveat here is at a low heart rate. So I like to use walking as this. I, I live in a place that's quite hilly. It's a place called Budrum. And so my heart rate will sit in my aerobic zone when I simply go for a walk outside, particularly if it's been as humid as it, um, as it has been the last couple of weeks. But I want you to make sure, I've got a quick math, uh, math session for you. Your aerobic heart rate zone sits about 180 minus your age. So if you're 30 years old, 180 minus 30 is 150. Great math, Bart, well done. So your aerobic threshold is about 150. So I would want, if I do an aerobic work session, I'd want my heart rate to sit at about 140, 145 below that threshold just to make sure that my body's using oxygen and fat as a fuel and it's not dipping into those glycogen stores too much. We want to keep it aerobic, not anaerobic. 
And so again, if you have uh, sort of minimal effective dose applies here too, walking is a great place to start. And I think everyone should be walking their 10,000 steps every single day, even though it is technically an arbitrary number. It just means we get outside, we get moving, motion is lotion, that sort of stuff. But another good, another good, um, a good suggestion might be rucking. I don't know if you've heard about this before. It's very popular at the moment, particularly with our, our CEO. Um, rucking is just walking, particularly on trails, with weight. So you're putting weight in a, in a backpack where you can buy actually specific rucking um, vests. Um, a great way to bring your heart rate up just a little bit higher on your walk and to make that walk a little bit more aerobic. You'll, you'll rarely get into your anaerobic zone with a ruck unless you're sort of traveling gradients that are above 12% or something like that. But then, of course, there's biking, low-impact stuff, running, rowing, any cardiovascular, typical cardiovascular movement for a long duration. And I sort of define your aerobic work as 20 minutes plus. You will get benefits if you just do 18 minutes, but my recommendation is always just shoot for that 20, 30 or plus minutes uh, of aerobic work. But remember, low intensity. We have to keep our heart rate low. As soon as our heart rate goes high, we're not training our aerobic system. As mentioned before, the third type of exercise for training and for longevity to try and get in your week. I should mention as well, aerobic work, one to four times a week. You can even go five or six times a week. There are people out there like Peter Atia, the writer of the of the book I mentioned before. He does it every day, sometimes twice a day. You don't need to go that crazy. You can get some great effects from just doing aerobic work once a week. But, you know, two or three times helps too. Just keep your heart rate low. That's the, the big caveat. VO2 max work. So this is what you can call uh, higher intensity interval work. Working in and around the heart rate level, that's called your anaerobic threshold. And so what this means is that you're then going to teach your body to take on more load, to transport oxygen more efficiently, and thus sustain stamina at higher intensities. So consider it cyclical movement. So the movements you do for aerobic work, but at a higher intensity. And the way I like to sort of think about the, um, the time frames of the VO2 max work is between one and three minutes. It's a pretty clear time delineation. As soon as you go above three-ish, four-ish, five-ish minutes, that's when you start to promote that aerobic system a little bit longer. But one to three minutes is typically what, what I use. But I make sure the intervals I do do are between one and three minutes, but have a long rest period in between each. If I have five intervals of two minutes work with two minutes rest, I want to make sure that the five intervals I do are at a consistent effort level. I don't want to start the first interval and be like 100% hitting high watt rates and then by the fifth interval I'm crawling, I'm moving at a slower pace. Someone told me the other day, and I love this, when it comes to, to high intensity work like VO2 max, we don't want your we don't want to teach your body to move slow. We want to teach your body to move fast. So as, start, as soon as you start to see your pace or your power drop significantly, stop your interval because you're not training what we want you to train. We're not training the pace that we want your, or power output that we want you to train at. So to reiterate here, team, intervals, um, and intervals can be between 2 and 10 depending on the length of your session and how fit you are. Um, uh, between 2 and 10 intervals, of one to three minutes with at least, I recommend a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio or more one-to-two work-to-rest ratio. So if you do a two-minute interval, rest for four minutes. The reason being is I need you to be able to hit the power outputs in the next set the same level as you did the first. So that rest is really important. And then the last bit of training for longevity, the last style of training for longevity 
that has some pretty clear research about it is stability. Now, stability arguably can be gained by just training for strength. But making sure your program is diverse in the way you train for strength. So by this I mean uh, adding in some pauses, adding in some isometrics, adding in unilateral work, making sure you're working one arm and one leg or contralateral arm and leg at the same time to promote more stability in your body. And by stability, we just mean the strengthening of the muscles that fortifies your joints. We want you to be able to walk upright for the rest of your life if we can. We want you to be able to balance. We want you to be able to move laterally. And so stability is a really important part of strength training. And so you can put these stability moments or these stability components within your strength training sessions, but make them specific. It could even be stuff like holding two kettlebells overhead for as long as you can, three times through. That way you're training end ranges of the movement, you're training to fortify the joint if you're in the right position, um, and you're, you're adding to this beautiful, beautiful effect that is the whole strength training session just by changing the way you do it. So team, to reiterate here, longevity. We're trying to slow down the aging process by sending signals to the body. And all of the four things I just went through send a very specific signal to different systems of your body. And it's the diversification and variance of these systems that I think creates the longevity effect. So if you're hearing this, start with strength. That's going to be a big bang for your buck. It's a big buck shot for all the positives that come with, with exercise. But if you want to add in your aerobic work, add in your VO2 max work, and add in your stability work as well, that's going to give you a more holistic approach to leveling up the systems in your body that support longevity. Now, obviously, exercise isn't, <laughs> isn't the only part of longevity we need to talk about, but we might save nutrition, stress reduction, and sleep for another episode. But they all supply and they all work in synergy. We're sending the signal with exercise, but we're recovering that signal and allowing our body uh, to adapt by giving it the resources from nutrition, giving it the time and the processes to recover and use that nutrition when we sleep, and then giving the body the best chance to continually recovering by dropping that stress as much as we can. That was cool. Well, I thought so. I'm, I'm in a room by myself. I hope you thought that was cool too. But thank you for sticking around this long, team. It's much appreciated. Make sure you are following us on all the social pipes. Jets Australia, J-E-T-T-S Australia. There's going to be some awesome stuff coming out this year, um, well deep into this year. So make sure you are following us on the podcast and on all the social stuff. And, Timo, I will see you in the next episode.